Hey, hey, hey guys, this is John Dean coming at you from another episode of Nomad Happy Hour, a podcast for nomads by nomads. Today we have Erica and Trey on here. Erica and Trey met in Colorado. They've been traveling for a few months together in a schoolie. I met them out at Ehrenberg, Arizona in, at Schoolie Palooza, and we really didn't get a chance to do an interview with them there. So now we met up in Sedona, Arizona, and luckily we have time to do an interview with them here. All right, guys. So how long have you guys been on the road for? We got on the road October 1st was when our lease was up. We bought the bus in July and only had about two and a half months to get it ready. So just about six months. Yeah, yeah six, six, seven months. months. Yeah, yeah, six or seven months. The, and where did you guys start your journey from? We started the journey in Craig, Colorado, which is kind of northwestern Colorado. And that's originally, I believe, where you're from, right? Yep, Church? that's where I'm from. That's where I grew up. And so we actually ended up purchasing the bus uh, from a gentleman that was in Meeker, Colorado, in that same area. Mm-hmm. Yeah, That's pretty cool uh, area, is Meeker area. I was just outside of there when I lived in Colorado. Now, can you guys explain to me a little bit what kind of bus, what year this is, maybe what the motor size is, yeah. all that kind of information? Um, our bus's name is BB. BB is a 1997 International. She's got the DT466E engine in it, and she has a bluebird body. And I see that it is still yellow. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> is there a reason why you guys kept it yellow so far, or are you guys going to keep it yellow? Yeah, just time. I wanted to paint it first before we did anything, and we were like, maybe we should get it livable instead of actually just painting the outside yeah. first. We only had about two months to convert it before our lease was up. We were living in a rental, and so uh, we decided to kind of tackle the inside of the bus first before we moved on to do the outside, but mm-hmm. it's on the to-do list, so that's one of our projects that we haven't quite gotten to finish yet. Would you guys mind explaining to us and the listeners of w- a little bit of what you guys did to the bus in those two months to get it livable for yourself to get out on the road? Absolutely. So when we bought the school bus, it was uh, a regular school bus. It had all the seats in it. There was metal paneling on the roof, metal paneling on the side. So the first step in the process was kind of deconstructing everything. So we ended up pulling out all of the metal paneling, pulling out all of the seats, pulling out all of the old insulation that was in the ceiling and in the walls as well. And then from there, uh, we ended up getting it spray foam insulated, which was kind of a process in and of itself. You kind of start by putting straps in the wall and then uh, spray foaming on top of that so that you have something to screw your walls into. And then uh, after that, we ended up mounting the ceiling. So putting beadboard on the ceiling, putting some beadboards on the wall, and then our floor right now is just... uh, exposed plywood and so that was kind of the second part of the process and to finish we ended up putting in our furniture and that was kind of the last thing that we did yeah Yeah, the easy part (laughs) yeah the furniture so and we're not quite finished yet we still are wanting to do utilities that's what we kind of ran out of time for so right now we're kind of in the process of researching uh you know the different equipment we need to install the utilities so that would be the running water water pump electricity and that kind of that kind of thing. As we all know, living uh, uh, in this lifestyle, these 
homes never stop being built up. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. Even when people are like, "Oh yeah, my home is totally converted." Yeah. It's like, no. <laughs> I, I bet you we can find something that you can do Some to project or a little to project you want to so, do. Yeah. Yeah. We seem to be just taking it one little step at a time. When we left, we didn't have a bathroom in here, so the first step to make it more comfortable was doing a bathroom, and so we ended up building the compost toilet while we were on the road. And so we're just kind of trying to chip away at it, kind of take one project at a time, you know. We didn't have curtains either, so this, like, exposed thing was showing, like, our wiring was showing, and it was, like, driving us nuts. But we parked at a place for about a month, and that was where I worked on the curtains, and then Trey worked on the bed. Well, we both worked on them together, but worked on that together. And that was surprisingly, the curtains are so... uh, so important just to keep people from looking in as well as keeping that sun out in the morning you know keeping the heat out it makes quite a difference of keeping the heat out and uh luckily erica's really talented on the sewing machine so we custom did all of our curtains as well it's nice to have two people and each person have their own strengths you know i'm sure there's certain things that you guys get to work on together but at the same time, you know, it sounds like Erica's got like sewing strengths and maybe you have the building and, mm-hmm. and yeah. maintenance and kind of strengths. It's a little silly too. I'm going to be completely honest with everybody here. <laughs> uh, I just operate the tools. Erica tells me what to do. She'll tell me where, <laughs> how's the layout, the layout, all Erica. You know what I mean? <laughs> and it was funny as we were building it, it seemed like we would sometimes clash heads on ideas and we'd be arguing. And about an hour into us arguing, I'd be like, oh shit, Erica's right. Like, you know what I mean? So Erica's definitely the brains of the oh, operation. No. I'm just the no. saw guy. <laughs> all right, guys, take notes from Trey. It's all the women's uh, ideas for these rigs. We just put the stuff in place. Yeah, I'm just the dude with the saw, okay. so. <laughs> Now, I think we talked about uh, a couple days ago is that you're going to be starting mechanic school, a diesel mechanic school. Now, did you want to do that in the past or is it just because you're living in the bus now or... That's actually been a journey that's just been because of the bus. Uh, I think when we started out, we really didn't know too much about any kind of maintenance on the bus. And as we kind of learned more about it, I think I became a little bit more interested in mechanics. And also we realized how many people have buses with the same kind of engine that we have. And so to me, it kind of seemed like it would be really, you know, a pretty valuable skill to know how to work on these school buses. And it's a pretty fascinating subject to really get in there, you know. Mm -hmm. So I am starting starting college in uh, fall at the Yavapai Community College here in Arizona. It's a year-long diesel tech uh, certificate program, so I'm pretty excited for that, yeah. When does that start? It starts at the end of August. So is that going to be your guys' next next journey? Are you guys going to be hanging out for a while, or what's the next plans coming up? Uh, Well, after we're done in Sedona and kind of exploring this area, we're going to move our way back to Colorado and see some of Trey's friends and family from Craig and probably stay there for two two or three weeks, see some family, and then make our way to Michigan um, to see my family and spend June and July hanging out in Pentwater, Michigan, which is near Lake Ludington on Lake Michigan. We found my uh, grandpa has like some property with a, a pole barn garage that we can park the bus at. It's like shaded. So we're really excited to be able to park there by family, but still like live in our own space, 
go visit my parents and hopefully have a little bit of help with some projects yeah. on the bus you know Erica's dad has said that he's gonna help us out a little bit uh, maybe and paint the bus yeah. <laughs> we're thinking about doing pretty much a full rework on the inside here and kind of changing ripping everything stuff. back out again yeah. well we want to do the floors yeah. the floors were one thing that we didn't get just didn't have time to do at the end and so this now is just like our subfloor with a lot of like rugs over the top mm -hmm. but it would be really nice to actually put like a vinyl you know right either flooring or doing some kind of more finished plywood flooring you know mm -hmm. whether that would be painting it or sanding it and staining it and then we're hoping to put in a few uh maybe some more cabinets as well mm -hmm. and of course the fridge is the big part right now we're rocking yeah. the coolers we got two big old coolers with ice that we have to restock on ice pretty frequently so i think the fridge is a really big step in the right uh direction as far as being more yeah. independent on the road and not having to go to the gas station so much you know now the the fridge issue with the you know having a cooler how, about how often do you guys have to change out or put in new ice that just depends yeah. what we've found is if you can get the block ice that is a huge help the block ice at the bottom of the cooler should probably last about six to seven days if you end up having to do the bags you're looking about three to four days maybe four yeah. to five three, if you push three it. to four yeah, yeah. If you wrap a blanket around top, around the top, it helps too, which yeah. is silly, but it yeah, is. we have it's to tuck our coolers in at night, yeah. yeah. Well, uh, Marsha, the high top van over mm -hmm. here, I don't know if you've seen, she runs on a cooler system also, mm -hmm. but she mm -hmm. took the, the reflex, the reflectix yeah. windows, and she covered the whole outside of her oh, cooler. Oh, that's a good idea, yeah. That's a really good And then idea. cut a slit basically around the top, so that way it's attached to the lid and it's still okay. oh, nice. open. So then yeah. that way it gives her an like extra, extra layer, an extra yeah. layer of insulation. The other thing that I've seen online, and I haven't really seen anybody do this in person, and I'm kind of curious to know if it works, but if you take a lower end cooler, basically, and the outside wall and inside wall, there's a gap in between. Mm -hmm. Now, if you took uh, spray foam, basically drilled a couple holes in there oh. and spray foamed inside that wall mm -hmm. it would also give you, give you an extra letter, layer of insulation mm -hmm. exactly that's a good yeah. idea too because those yetis yeah. or the name brand are so expensive yeah. too that's it's too like expensive. at that point it's like half the cost of a fridge yeah you know? really all it is is plastic on the outside yeah. plastic on the inside <laughs> and a certain kind of insulation, nice insulation really in between mm -hmm. God. now you guys uh erica you're from michigan you're from colorado trey mm -hmm. When and where did you guys meet? Since there's like such yeah. that big gap in between, you know, Michigan and Colorado. I moved to Colorado by myself in 2015. Is that right? And just like a little Chevy Cruze in my cat Jude and some clothes and figured I would go to like grad school there and was looking at schools and working at restaurants while I was like trying to figure out my next step and Trey and I met working at a restaurant called the Mercury Cafe in Denver they host like dances and poetry and live music it's like very bohemian there's like a in-house tarot reader and it was it was really cool so we met working there yeah at the time when we met I was a line cook and she was a server so the tale as old as time yeah. man the good old line <laughs> cook and server yo Right? Yeah. Hey, man, at least it sounds like you guys both like to cook, so, you know, oh, yeah. you guys can both help out in, in that section. Oh, yeah. yeah. We both really like to cook. We both worked in restaurants a lot, yeah. like back of house and front of house, so. While, yeah. uh, while you were out a little while ago, Erica was saying that you guys were talking about possibly getting, like, a, a 
short bus and turning it into just the kitchen. Yeah, that was a joke. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Dude, that could be cool, that man. Be right? cool. Just the kitchen bus? That would be really yeah. cool. That though. would be a that big really old cool. kitchen. Yeah. This kitchen is bigger than a lot of kitchens I've had in apartments. So, like, bigger than an apartment I've had in Denver. Yeah. So, we're, like, happy with the space. Even if we can expand it a little more with more cabinets and stuff, I feel like we don't really bump into each other too much. The only really tight space is, like, right here in the bus, so... Doing that bus well. life shuffle. Yeah, the yeah. dance around, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it took a little bit to adjust. It definitely did yeah. take a bit to adjust. We came down to Arizona through Utah, so the I think the first month was the adjustment yeah. period. So if there's anybody out here, like, you know, just getting into it, the first month is the hardest, yeah. and then it kind of smooths Things out like after that. Things, like, fall into place, yeah. and it was very hard, like, not knowing where I, we'd packed everything, because we packed in such a rush, like, yeah. trying to move out of the rental house into, into this, like, cleaning out the rental house, it was a lot, so I think once we got, like, a little more settled and on the road, it was a lot easier. Started to feel a little bit more comfortable, you yeah. know. Now, when you guys moved out of your rental house into the bus, was there a lot of stuff to get rid of, or did oh, you guys yeah. already minimalist, quote unquote? No. Not so much. <laughs> no. <laughs> when we left Denver, because we moved to my hometown in Craig, and uh, it was our first size down, so we did size down from two apartments to one house, and then we had to get rid of quite a bit when we got into the bus, for sure. It's funny, because when I, I remember back when I first moved into my van, you know, I don't have, a, have this much space at all, but when I moved into my van... You almost have that feeling like I gotta take everything from my house and shove it in this vehicle, mm -hmm. which is never gonna happen. No. It's just not gonna work like that. Yeah. <laughs> no. yeah, there's all different kinds of layouts. You know, it's like you don't know what what space you're gonna have for what. For real. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I feel like that's kind of part of the lifestyle is accepting that there's some things that you can't bring with you. And uh, we didn't. Some people end up getting a storage unit, but what we've heard in the community is that. You get a storage unit, I mean, what are you going to do? It's just going to sit in there. And then so. they go back and clean it all yeah. up and get rid of it yeah. all. So we, we just, just got it. We, yeah, we kind of just got yeah. rid of it mm -hmm. all, yeah. It's really not that difficult to get rid of stuff. No. I mean, certain people, they think it, it really is. I mean, the more sentimental, you know, memorabilia kind mm -hmm. of stuff, you know, if your grandma passed down a, a ring or you know, jewelry or furniture or something like that, that stuff gets a little bit harder to yeah. get rid of. To give of. away, yeah. But that's when you just give it to another family member. Mm -hmm. yeah. <laughs> and once you get started, I think that's the hardest part is getting started. And like you, you give some stuff away and you're like, oh, that feel that felt pretty good to kind of get that out yeah. of here. And, you know, so once you get started giving stuff away, I think it gets easier, you know. And it feels like liberating to not have all this stuff, too. It actually felt like freeing at first. Like oh, when yeah. we first moved out of our two apartments in Denver into one house, like we both gave away a lot of stuff, but then we had to do it again. But I feel like then you also realize what's important and everything that we have in here is like you know like our favorite clothes yeah. or our favorite books or like mm -hmm. whatever if you, know, you don't it's the most yeah. important things to us yeah if you have something and you don't use it once a week then it's like it's not worth having really and yeah. or one of the bigger rules is if it's not multi-use use usable mm -hmm. get rid of it yeah, yeah. you Let know it's go. like everything in this lifestyle has to have multiple uses mm -hmm. You know, like some people have a couch that can be a bed or, you know, a kitchen that turns into your dining room mm -hmm. or whatever it is. It doesn't seem like a lot of your stuff in here, though, is, is convertible. Exactly. You know, like, and I feel like that was kind of a stylistic choice on our end because... Uh, I definitely understand, and especially with vans, you got to be very conscious of the space, but we felt like we had enough space that we could build it more of like a traditional house so that mm -hmm. things would be set in place and... Uh, uh, 
you know, kind of use it that way a yeah. little bit more. I was in, it was important to us to have, like, or to me to have, like, a dining area and to have a set space because it is nice to, like, have people over and be able to sit around, like, in a circle. And I didn't want to have to move the bed all the time. And we do have a lot of storage under the bed, which every time we've cleaned it out, we realize we still have stuff we don't need. Yeah, like we've it's an ongoing process. Like yeah. Living in the bus too. Yeah. Well, it's like when you first start, you put a few things underneath there, and then you buy something new out on the road, and you end up pushing that old stuff to mm-hmm. the back, back into the, the back, back into the yeah. back. Yeah. It's almost like you need to start on this side, so that way when you push it out the back, <laughs> you know that that stuff isn't usable yeah. anymore. Right. Oh. Now, when you guys first started, what would you say that your family or friends said to you when you said, I'm getting rid of everything and moving into a bus? I think at first, my family were trying to convince me to get an RV instead. Like, oh, why would you buy that? You could have an RV that already has a bathroom and running water and everything. But when we first started, we did not have the money to drop on a full RV system. And this felt like a lot more manageable to us. We could work on it a little bit, bit by bit, as we were getting more money. Um, but I think eventually they thought it was cool. Some of my friends, I think, still don't get it. They still ask me like where I can send, where they can send me mail, or they're like, "Oh, how's your trip going?" And they like think I'm on vacation. But I think overall, it's been more positive. Like, yeah, people have like reached out to me and said it was really cool, or they like following my journey, things like that. Yeah, I feel like I was pretty lucky. My family was pretty supportive of the kind of the journey of getting the bus, you know. So I was kind of happy that way. But I did grow up in a small town in rural Colorado, so I think in the community there was a lot of like, they were like, "You're gonna live in a bus? Like what?" Yeah, but at the hardware store, they had no idea what we were talking uh, about ever. Yeah. <laughs> but. It's funny though, like when you like speaking of the hardware stores, you know, you go in and you ask them for a part, and they ask you, "Well, what are you doing with it?" And you explain it, and they're like, "Well, that's not what it's used for." And we're like, "We know, but we know, but we're gonna make it <laughs> used for something it. else." Yeah. Exactly. Oh, yeah. If you're doing a conversion, it's like you live at the hardware store. You'll get on a name-to-name basis with those folks real quick. So Some of the people I know, they've actually done their build-outs right there in, like, Home Depot. Yeah, we've seen a couple buses doing that, too, yeah. I mean, shit, that would have saved me a lot of time going back to the the hardware store because it was a daily thing kind of going And we didn't have a car either, so we were literally riding our bikes back and forth to the (laughs) hardware store, like, carrying our tools back and forth with us. Yeah. Really? We didn't yep. have a place to park. We couldn't park the bus at our rental house. We didn't think it would fit in the driveway. Mm-hmm. And so we rented a place at like a trailer park to work on it. So we were riding our bike like three yeah. or four blocks, five blocks yep. with our tools. With the tools on the on the bike handles, yeah, you know, really the pedaling. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> See, that's the story that you guys should have been recording in the beginning of you guys, you know, Riding your bicycles with the tools <laughs> to oh, go yeah. fix the bus. <laughs> Probably look like psychos, you know. I got a bag full of saws on yeah. the side of the fucking bike. Like, Woo. They're probably like, oh, this guy stole another bag full of tools again. Yeah, no joke. The pawn shop. A massive pry bar, like a, a five foot pry bar <laughs> on the bike. Yeah. It was yeah, silly. It was kind of silly. And then eventually we figured we 
didn't want to rent that space anymore and when it was crunch time to move out of the house into the bus trey figured out a way to like back up the bus through a tree next to the neighbor's house partially through the lawn if our landlord would have saw us she probably would she probably wouldn't have been happy but but we made it work so that's been (laughs) definitely part of the process too because i don't think i've had a little bit of experience driving like bigger vehicles but we weren't really comfortable driving the bus at first and so it's kind of been a process in learning how you can drive it and learning exactly where you can and can't park it you know how do you guys both drive absolutely Mm -hmm. yeah yeah Yeah. Yeah. i've met a lot of really a lot of uh, partners before that you know ends up being the guy ends up driving for some reason no no No, i like driving i'd say it's 50 50 yeah that's cool though i mean it's good that you know you feel comfortable to be for both of you to be able to Mm -hmm. to drive and it shares that that experience and it also shares the the drive time so that mm-hmm. way you know oh yeah you don't get tired and then he's just sitting back there going it's i'm chilling. not driving anymore. yeah right it's i think it's kind of like with the building we both kind of have uh, different driving skills it seems like erica's a little bit more comfortable than i am in the city as mm-hmm. far as city driving goes so if we're going through like a a bigger city than erica's the one that's in the in the cockpit but as far as like driving mountain passes that's kind of more my area or more rural or dirt road it's just because of kind of where I grew where up, you, you grew know. Up, yeah. yeah. What are you guys' hobbies out on the since you guys been out on the road? Has it changed the nine to five sticks and brick life to your bus life? I feel like I read a lot more than I was before. It was always like a pile of books I wanted to read and never got around to reading, so that's been nice. We listen to a lot of podcasts and like yeah. audiobooks. Um, we played board games. We learned how to play chess and Scrabble. Yeah. Well, it helps yeah. when you get out to spots like this and you don't have service. Yeah. Exactly, <laughs> yeah. yeah. I think definitely a lot more reading for yeah. sure since we've been on the road. Trey's been riding his bike a lot. Yeah. We ride our bikes a little bit. I want to ca- get into kayaking, um, but we need to find a place to like store it. My parents have one out in Michigan, so I'm excited to get to use that this summer. A uh, blow-up kayak or like a solid plastic kayak? Probably blow up for the bus just for storage reasons, yeah. 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 Or like Make a paddleboard or something. Yeah. yeah. Going to the beach a lot. We like to go to museums. That's been oh, a yeah, really, really cool too. part of the trip is that it seems like any era we're in, uh, we can learn a little bit more about the history. I think you guys are possibly going to a museum tomorrow. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. the plan. We're actually going to yeah. go to the Tuzagut ruins and going to go check out that museum as well, which uh, I'm pretty excited for. We've been uh, since we've been in Arizona, we've been looking at a lot of different ruins. What other ruins have you guys gone to? The first one we went to was in Moapo, which is in uh, Nevada, actually, and that one was called the Lost City, mm-hmm. and that was really cool. Uh, just a few weeks ago, we went to one called um, Beshbagawa, yeah, which is in Globe, Arizona, which was an amazing museum. If anybody yeah. has ever in the Globe area, it's really cool. Um, now, are these museums paid museums? Are they free museums? Uh, the are last they... one was free, just open admission for now. Or it's like maybe five dollars, something yeah. really small. Yeah. yeah. I don't think we've ever paid more than five or six dollars at any of the places. And then I actually just last week went to Montezuma's Castle here in uh, Cottonwood. That's so. a sweet spot. Oh I was yeah. Just there, I don't know, maybe a week ago also. And uh, did you go to Montezuma Well too? We did go to Montezuma Well, which I thought was a really interesting uh, ruin as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's kind of been interesting too. I think that's one thing that's really stood out in our time in the bus is that uh, we've gone through probably 13 different reservation lands. 
um, as well as uh, you know, a few different museums and ruins. So I think that that kind of stands out to us of how much of the United States was uh, you know stolen originally. So that's kind of been eye-opening, I think. And people, like you were saying, people talk about, like, oh, it was in the past, like the Native Americans, you know, it was in the past, but there's still people no. living out on reservations. Very now. real. It's very real. Um, another kind of interesting area we were in, there's the Tohono Odom Reservation, which is in southern Arizona. It's been fascinating to get to learn about the different tribes and the different reservations, and I think that reservation was really interesting because it actually straddles the United States and Mexico, so it sits within the United States and Mexico, which is, uh, you know, pretty pretty amazing. It's almost like its own country that nobody mm -hmm. really knows about. Now, what do you guys do uh, for work while you guys are out here on the road? Well, since we were working in the restaurants um, when COVID happened, it's kind of there hasn't really been any work for that yeah. it's at all the, the restaurant we were working at pretty much we Closed. lost our jobs yeah, yeah they, like they only jobs. kept one cook on so we yeah. lost our jobs then yeah. Yeah. So we were able to file for unemployment at that point, and so that was a, a, that's another reason that I, I'm going back to get the diesel tech, because I'm kind of trying to get out of working into the restaurants and hoping to get more into like the mobile mechanic mm -hmm. business. So right now we're kind of in between stuff, you know. Yeah. yeah, I was in the process of applying to grad school to go um, and get my master's degree in psych. That was what I did my undergrad in, but that kind of, everything's kind of changed with that too. I don't really want to do online school and I wanted to go for counseling. So it was like, I didn't really want to go to school online to learn counseling and then counsel people online. Like, I feel like you need to be in the room with somebody mm -hmm. to kind of understand what's going on. So I'm kind of reevaluating that too. I think when Trey knows how to work on buses, that opens up a lot of things too. Like I really enjoyed flipping the bus and I really enjoyed like doing the interior design of mm -hmm. it. And I really like sewing. So yeah. that's I the think, other yeah. thing that we've kind of done. Erica's actually done a few different custom jobs for just our friends that are in the, you know, kind of in the bus, whether that be car or whether that be cushions and that kind of thing. So anybody out there in the nomad world, if they need cushions or curtains, <laughs> hit up Erica. Yeah, she at. can definitely hook yeah. you guys up. We'll pull up wherever you're at. We got the <laughs> generator. We got the sewing machine. Some people that are out on the road, they end up having or making bucket lists. Do you guys have any bucket lists that you guys are wanting to get uh, accomplished while being out on the road or things that you guys already have accomplished? Hmm. Like places we want to go. Places you want to go, things you want to do, maybe some new things you want to learn. I think that uh, for us, one of the first big things was actually gathering with other nomads, which was a big deal. The first few months we were on the road, we were kind of by ourselves and pretty isolated in the desert. And so the first thing on our bucket list was to go to a big meeting of the nomads and uh, be able to meet other people that are living this mm -hmm. lifestyle. Uh, as far as places, there's always the next place, man. Like, we have a whole bunch of stuff we want to do. Uh, Michigan's, I think, a huge step. I've actually never been out east, so. Back up real quick to the, the meetups and meeting other nomads. Where, what meetups have you guys gone to? Just Palooza, I would say. But after Palooza, we ended up traveling with a group of people for, like, a month and a half, two months. And, like, some groups would break off, some would come back. Mm -hmm. And I think also at Craggy Wash, that almost felt like Another second Palooza, you know. Yeah. So. Was that something that you guys expected when you guys went to Palooza no. to be, to, like, split <laughs> off with 
a group, a family group, or a, no. a mobile community? I don't think so. I think that we've always kind of viewed ourselves as lone wolves, almost like you know what I mean. And like, so I think that it was really kind of uh, transformative to to meet people that we felt comfortable traveling with. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I thought we would like go to schoolie for ten days and then go over and do our own thing and work on the bus some more. But then the next place was a hot spring and I was like, no, let's go to yeah, hot spring. And we love hot springs. We've been to 16 hot springs together yeah. in a year Not two since months. you've been in the bus. No, it's okay. probably Almost. 13 since we've 13 been in the bus. 13 since we've been in the yeah. bus. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Go ahead. I was just going to say that was kind of what we did on our way through Utah was that we did kind of a hot spring tour through Utah and also looking forward. That's kind of something that we'd like to put together as maybe a hot spring guide for nomads or for big rigs. Mm -hmm. That would be kind of cool because it's really hard at some, I've always been in smaller rigs, so Mm -hmm. I really never thought of it. But now that you bring that up, it is a little bit harder for, you know, a 30, 40 foot bus mm-hmm. or even a full-size rv or a gooseneck or you know something like that something a little bigger yeah, yeah the that... roads are not always great especially on like the secret hot springs mm-hmm. you know yeah. that are more rural and more out there you end so. up getting into like a dead end spot where the trailhead is oh and you can't gosh. turn around or you yeah. accidentally go on a on a four-wheeling road that you yeah. think is actually a road and you almost go into a ditch and <laughs> we've, we've taken the <laughs> bus all right probably. we gotta hear this story <laughs> Where where were we at? What did we do? Trey found a really cool heart-shaped hot spring. He's like, it's a heart-shaped hot spring on the top of a mountain. We have to go. Yeah, in the middle of nowhere, Nevada. This is like central Nevada. There's like nothing out there. And the, the instruction or directions you found just said like, go past the telephone pole and turn right. Go about a mile. And we took the wrong turn, yeah. and then we were like, no, this must be the road, because we could, like, see the cars over wrong there. Wrong telephone pole? Yeah, yeah, I guess. We followed Google Maps at first. Yeah, that was the deal, because we, we had seen this review that was, like, told you the directions, but they were really cryptic, like, yeah, second telephone pole, take a ride. We're like, I don't know if we trust this directions. And so we pulled it up on Google Maps, and uh, Google Maps just took us to the middle of nowhere. It yeah. was like this field. And as we get deeper into the field, we're realizing, okay, this is not the way. And I was starting to get afraid that we weren't going to be able to turn the bus around. And uh, we're going down the road, and we we stopped, and we were probably about four or five inches from driving the bus into a, a ditch. Really, yeah. What? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we got so well, we got we, really we got lucky there on that eventually. One. We did, yeah, we did end up turning around, driving out of the field, and then following the, the directions right that we had from the beginning, and we ended up finding it, and it was beautiful. It really was. It's called the Bartine Hot Spring. If anybody's ever in Nevada out there, middle of nowhere, but it was definitely it was worth beautiful. it. It was gorgeous. Yeah. yeah. Was it just one pool? And mm-hmm. on we can top fit of probably the... two or three people. Yeah, yeah. it's one small pool. What about was the temperature? It was hot, hot. Yeah, it was probably about 104. Uh, I like the hot springs a little bit hotter, so I like it to be over 100. Erica thinks likes it Maybe a little cooler. bit cooler. Yeah. <laughs> I don't like to boil, yeah. yeah. But not a cool spring. No. Well, I like that too, actually. I guess in yeah. the middle of... I, I haven't actually been to a cool spring, but I've seen them more here yeah. you know, in the desert. Is like, you know, when it gets That'd up nice, past like, 100 day. and something degrees, yeah. it's nice to go and... Get cool into a cool a spring. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Starting off in Colorado when you guys first started and whatnot, I mean, it is colder there and stuff. What kind of heat do you guys run in here? So we're right now we're looking into investing in a, probably two or maybe two diesel heaters. For now, we just have the little buddy heater, and, and we also have an electric ones, heater. Yeah. yeah, 
But luckily, we've managed to stay out of the cold weather pretty well. Yeah. So we have a cat and a down blanket as our heating system. <laughs> <laughs> a cat and a down blanket as your heating system? Is that, <laughs> heating system. Yeah. Is that what you said? Yeah. And this cat keeps you guys pretty warm? Yeah. Or? yeah. It's pretty toasty. <laughs> like we said, we do have, we have like an electric heater that we can put on with the generator if it gets too cold. And we do have a little buddy propane heater. But the bus is a little bit too big for the little buddy. Yeah. It doesn't seem to heat it up very well. It is well insulated, though. It has, yeah. like, we got it insulated by somebody that insulated houses. So mm -hmm. anything above 35 has been it's fine. It's usually pretty yeah. comfortable. It's once it gets below 35 that it can start to be a little chilly. And we've avoided snow this year. This is the first time both of us have had a winter without snow, so that's been really nice. We've mostly been following the weather, I would say. Yeah. How do you deal with that, Trey? Because I know that you snowboard. Well, like your winter sports. Yeah, I feel like I did snowboard for about five or six years, and I I was lucky because I had a job with the resort, so I got to snowboard to work every day. So it was like a daily thing. But it seems as I'm getting older, I'm getting tired of dealing with it because it snows its own process in Colorado. It's like a two or three hour thing every day just to deal with shoveling it and uh i don't feel like i really miss the snow that much honestly no i do every once in a while when i see some of the guys making turns and stuff and you know in colorado i'm like oh i'd love to be out there for yeah. the day <laughs> exactly and for a little trip maybe for a little taste but living in it can get a little bit depressing yeah, you know for real yeah. i always say too is that if i'm in the snow i need to be playing in it and if I'm not in the snow, I don't need to be there. Exactly. Or, you know, if I'm in the snow and not playing with it, then I don't need to be there kind of thing. Absolutely. So at this time, I usually ask the guests to kind of throw out some information for, for newbies that are coming out on the road. If you guys have anything to tell anybody that's new coming out into the lifestyle, it doesn't have to be in the school bus and, you know, just being in the nomadic lifestyle. I always wanted to do this, but I didn't think that I could. I didn't think that I would like be able to do the physical labor myself or like, I don't know, it was more like a pipe dream. Like, oh, that would be cool to be able to travel around in a school bus or a van or whatever. I think it was like the, getting over the fear was the hardest part. And a lot of it was luck. Like we found this bus for sale literally on the side of a road with a for sale sign in it. So I think just getting over that first initial fear. And I thought like, you know, I had done everything the right way. I, you know, went to a good school. I was like always looking for jobs, internships, you know, like applying to all different kinds of jobs, thinking like trying to go to grad school and like, you know, do this American dream. And I was like working two jobs, barely getting by, barely being able to pay rent. Denver's like a really expensive city. I just think it was, it's like scary, but I think that it was worth it. And I'm really glad I had the opportunity to do it. So if it's something that's on your mind that you wanted to do, that you should pull the trigger. Like, I only wish I would have done this sooner. I think everybody says the same thing. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Is either, one, I wish I would have done it sooner, or two, just do it. Yeah, because I thought, you know, I had security before, like, having a stick and brick house or renting the apartment, you know, you felt, like, safe, but really it was, like, this illusion of security. Like, that landlord could have kicked me out at any time for mm -hmm. any reason. Exactly. And I feel like now we actually own the bus. Like any money we want to put into it is like for our home and not for somebody exactly. else. Like We're I was busting my ass, yeah, to like work two jobs for a company that didn't really care about you, to give to a landlord that doesn't really care about you. So I feel like we're actually a lot. I feel a lot more secure now. And Trey, what would you say? 
I think uh, Erica hit on it pretty well. I, w- I would say two things. The first thing is that security is a myth, like, and it seems that it would be more secure to live in a regular stick and brick. But like Erica said, you never own it, and at any given second, your landlord can kick you out. And it's the same with depending on somebody else for your job, is that any second, if they decide to fire you, then they could. So even though it seems as nomads that we have less security, at least the security we have is ours and it's something that nobody can take away from us second and i think this is this is kind of silly because it's super unrelated respect the truckers yo oh yeah because it's so important the job that they do for us any product that you see anything in your house anything anywhere at some point has come into contact with a diesel engine and a diesel truck to move it from point a to point b and we're out here, we're having fun, we're nomads, and, you know, that's all good. But the truckers, they got places to be, and they're really the ones that provide all of our security in any kind of way, you know what I mean? So respect the truckers. Give them space, you know. Give them space when they're making their turns. That's a big, big deal with big rigs that I think sometimes people in smaller rigs yeah. don't realize. Is if you see a trucker taking a left-hand turn, give them some space to do that you know what i mean and always respect them and give them the room that they need to do their job yeah this has totally changed how we would drive like i could not like cars pull in front of us making turns all the time and you know this is a 35 foot bus we weigh probably between 11 and fifteen thousand pounds Mm and people trying to pass us on a double yellow with oncoming traffic like i I think just pay attention to surroundings like realize how precious life is and don't the biggest thing that comes from that message is respect yeah Yeah. respect the truckers and respect the truckers respect your neighbors Mm -hmm. you know respect the people that you travel with you're never in so much of a hurry that you need to pass somebody to get somewhere five minutes and it's usually we see them at the next town in the same parking lot five minutes so crazy because they're stopped at a stoplight yeah Yeah. exactly you see they're parked in a parking lot spot for another 15 minutes texting on their phone it's like was it that big of a rush yeah to risk everybody's life around too is a car is essentially an enclosed go-kart man a semi-truck is a tractor so don't forget that if you get hit by a semi truck in a in a car or a like bus, you know or in a an bus, RV. so don't be reckless when you're merging into lanes with the yeah. semi truck you know i think that kind of takes us into a uh, a safety point of the, of the podcast you know like is there anything on the safety side of things while you guys are out here other than driving safety you know personal safety when you're in certain parking mm-hmm. spots or even finding your guys' camp spots. You know, how do you guys go up, go upon that? I'd say it's important to listen to your instincts. Um, if you get a bad feeling from somebody, it's probably for a good reason. Mm-hmm. Luckily, we haven't had any of those situations. But I would say just if you feel like somebody's, you know, you're a little off, you're vibes. probably for a reason. I would say yeah. listen to your instincts. Yeah. I think what's so important, too, is that... Um, listen to your machine you know what i mean because just because the speed limit is one posted thing doesn't mean that you need to go that fast listen to your machine and don't go faster than feels comfortable in your rig Mm -hmm, you know mm -hmm. and that's the other thing as far as safety goes it's so important to keep up on maintenance on your vehicle because that's that's the kind of thing that can put you in danger you know if you lose a tire while you're going 65 if you know any kind of situation like that so always keep a good eye on your machine well out here our machines are 
our drive or our vehicle and they're our home. Our home yeah. yeah. So you know, if we break down, we're out of our home, we're out of our vehicle. And then we're even spending more money because we might have to go get a hotel room or an Airbnb. Or maybe, hopefully, luckily, you know, the me- the mechanic will allow you to stay in your rig. I know mm-hmm. some people have been able to do that in the past, too. they're working on it. Mm-hmm. I noticed that you guys don't have shower hookups in here. Um, I know a lot of the biggest top three questions, basically, you know, of new people coming out here are either work, where do you shit? And where do you shower? Mm-hmm. So it's like, let's maybe end the podcast on how do you guys shit and shower? Okay, that's a it's important, and that's something that a lot of people ask us. And luckily, with the compost toilet, that's kind of taken care of the shit part. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Uh, and that's something that you have to adjust to when you get into the the mobile life, and that's the reality of the situation. And I think that's actually another thing I really wanted to bring up when you live in a house. Uh, the utilities you don't even think about it you just flip a switch on it's there you know you just flush the toilet it's gone Uh, if you're interested in the nomad life you're going to spend a lot of time thinking about utilities water yeah water bathroom and so we have the composting toilet so that kind of solves the bathroom issue for showers it seems like we've been using a variety of different things as far as Mm -hmm. sometimes rec centers sometimes laundry mats you know what i mean sometimes public showers sometimes if they're the gas available station, sometimes yeah. we also have like the solar shower that's like yeah. a three gallon you know it, you'll heat it up on the hood of your car it gets hot that's not the best it's not my favorite way to shower but it gets it done and i think also before i thought i needed to shower every day yeah. and now i actually really don't my hair actually feels a lot better not showering every day and that's the other thing as americans we use a ridiculous amount of ridiculous, water a day like, like seriously irresponsible because right now the entire western half of the United States is in a mega drought like you know so uh, we've definitely had to cut back on the amount of time that we shower and you know no more baths anymore I love to take a bath but you have to give it up <laughs> because right now is not the time to be using water irresponsibly you know I think how much water is in a bathtub it's ridiculous and that's what or I realized or in you know, one flush mm-hmm. four gallons for mm-hmm. one flush of water in a standard toilet, which mm-hmm. is incredible, just down the drain. And now it takes us about four gallons to do all of our dishes, to do like a full tub of dishes, because yeah. we have it down to a science. Yeah. You know, we can make 20 gallons of water last yeah. a week to a week and a half. Yeah, about it's a usually week and about a, half. a week and a half, and that's the other thing. As a as a nomad, you learn respect the water. You have to respect water, mm-hmm. and you have to be mindful about how much water you're using and where it's going and how you're using it. Yeah, yeah. The water is definitely a huge uh, source out here, and one way to, for me, I've noticed to save on that is also be aware of what you do in that day. You know, like your laundry and yourself because every day you don't need to take a shower Mm -hmm. and every day you don't need to throw your clothes in the dirty clothes Mm -hmm. you know if you're just sitting around in here and you're playing scrabble all day long you know your clothes aren't dirty yeah exactly fold them up roll them up whatever you do with them and put them back in the closet and wear them tomorrow that's what you saw hanging in our closet was the half dirty clothes not on the hangers (laughs) we have the clean ones on the hangers the half clean ones hanging on top yeah there you go at least you have a system yeah Yeah. (laughs) yeah, i mean i'll be real with you like if you're living the mobile life you know smell comes in there at some point it can be a little stinky sometimes but that's life like you know we're we're in this modern area where we're 
so afraid of being dirty or we're so afraid we're of smelling bad or like you know what I mean it's like we're humans and those things are natural so mm-hmm. don't be afraid of that it's okay not to shower for a few fucking days you know mm-hmm. it's okay not to have clean clothes every single day like yeah. you know well, right think, people won't care about it yeah I think yeah. the 9 to 5 life the regular society and whatnot, they somehow or another drill into our heads that you know, you can't be comfortable with that stuff. Or it's unprofessional. Yeah. And, and even Some with kind your of own body. Oh, yeah. I think we were talking the other day about hot springs. Yeah. You know, it was like one of the ladies was talking and she said, well, I need to go to a hot springs where there's nobody around. Yeah. And, you, and then you're like, well, what? You're not comfortable with, you know, a human body? For real. It's just a body. Yeah. We all live it up like we're all out yeah, here. We're like, up you in know. These meat suits. Yeah. Don't be ashamed <laughs> of your body and yeah. the smells it makes or how it looks. Like, you know, it's okay to be all right and comfortable with your body. Laugh about like, it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. And Whatever. especially if you're doing it with a partner, man, you're going to be close together. Uh-huh. So, you know, you got to you gotta get used to it and kind of adjust for <laughs> yeah. that, I think. It doesn't matter if you have a bucket or a $10,000 toilet. You still have to shit in a yeah. small space yeah. and you still have to it's smell all the it. Same. Yeah. Exactly. It's all the same. We parked at a KOA once and there was a literally half a million dollar rig next to us. But parked she was right still dealing with her. her uh, Exactly. Thing. She's still got to deal with picking up her the dog's tank. poop. Yeah. Like, you know what? Sometimes those <laughs> things are even worse because now I got to go hook it up to a hose. Yeah. Exactly. And possibly it's going to blow out that hose oh, yeah. and come all over me. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. In a bucket, I know where it's going. <laughs> I know where it's going and I <laughs> yeah, know what I'm doing with it. Anywhere, so. So. Yeah. It's been a lot easier than I thought it was going to be. And as a girl, too, I was like, I don't know. You know, peeing outside is like one thing. So I think as, as a girl, it's a lot easier to have the bathroom inside just for like yeah. privacy. I think the compost toilet it's, it's been it's really it's been really nice to I'd have some kind it. of bathroom because if you're in the desert you know sometimes there's not really a place outside that you can get some privacy to go so mm-hmm. anybody interested in the nomad life think about maybe getting a toilet you know even if you only have to use it occasionally you i'd rather have it and not use it than not have it when you really need it you exactly know? yeah so do you guys do anything on social media I think I know. I, I know you guys have Instagram. Do you guys have YouTube or anything yet, else? No. We haven't really. We haven't really delved into that part of it quite yet. So. I think we've been having too much fun traveling. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I was gonna say is if you guys had any you know thing that you want to plug in there you know Instagram handles or YouTube which you guys don't have. Or even, you know, if anybody wants to ask any questions, maybe yeah. on Facebook. Uh, my Instagram is Colors of the Wind, like the Pocahontas, Colors of the Wind 91. My Instagram is SunnyTC81. Yeah, and but those are just our yeah. personal accounts. I feel yeah. like for us, it's more to document you know, our journeys and be able to look back for ourselves and show our family and friends. And some nomads, that's their route is like kind of, you know, they can kind of be more on, um, online and have a present. But but for us, I don't think that that's really quite our route. We kind of just take it very amateur and that's kind of just our blog (laughs) where we keep up with our friends. But we're definitely welcome to, you know, message us any questions. I was going to say, I know that I... I allow and tell everybody, you know, go ahead and message oh, me yeah, please with do. any questions whatsoever please about do. this Absolutely. lifestyle. Yeah, holler at us. Yeah. Um, especially because some of us were out here on our own and we don't have anybody else to talk to. Oh, yeah. And mm-hmm. they're, you know, especially nowadays with everything going on with 
the unfortunate pandemic, you know, some people aren't wanting to get around other people. Mm -hmm. So luckily enough, God, I never thought I would say this, but luckily enough with social media, Mm -hmm. we can stay in touch with everybody this way and see where everybody's at and what they're doing and where to go next with Mm -hmm. our own journey. And that's how we've connected with a lot of people. Luckily, most people that are nomadic have been like super warm and welcoming and answering all our questions online. So I definitely want to return the favor. And I think that's the good thing about the nomad community is they'll usually holler back at you if you drop them a line, you know, so please don't feel it. Yeah. Anybody that ever has any questions, you can shoot us a line. All right, guys, that concludes another episode of Nomad Happy Hour. Appreciate Erica and Trey coming out and giving us a little bit of their story, where they came from, where they've been, and, you know, where they're planning on going in the near future. So thank you guys for coming on out and telling us your story. If you guys are looking for Nomad Happy Hour merchandise, head over to teesprings.com. We got all kinds of merchandise over there, so head on over and check it all out. Keep the rubber side down and nomads out.